0: I started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons. Humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you.
1: Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there.
0: The question as to whether or not we are alone in the universe has been hotly debated for quite some time. The bigger question of are we alone on this planet is equally as curious. Working with remote viewers, we've got some interesting data that has come back. This is going back to close to the origins of the remote viewing program here. Back in 1973, Pat Price saw some interesting aspects, possible bases existing on this planet in four separate locations. That project eventually developed into what was known as Project 8200. And that was passed on to Skip Atwater as a training operation for some of his remote viewers where they were tasked to go out and look and see if these bases were in fact real and who or what was operating within them. I have Russell Pickering who is an advanced remote viewing student and Daz Smith as we know a remote viewer as well on the line, Russell has uh, quite a lot of information on Project 8200, and we're gonna not only look at some of the actual data from this, we're also gonna review some feedback, some more uh, evidence that has uncovered adding credibility to this data with remote viewing. Russell, let me check in with you first. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy you uh, came on the program and that's a fantastic haircut you got there, sir. Wow.
2: <laughs> Fortunately, my housemate, her Career was hairstylist for thirty years, so all I had to do was walk upstairs. I didn't have to try to cut it myself.
0: You you lucked out, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're as lucky as Daz and I. We we have quite the easy way to. Ter- <laughs> oh man, Daz, check you out. Woo. Nice, wow. nice. That makes it easy. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. With check. that uh, blue halo behind him, it's even better. <laughs> that's, that's just his aura, man. Yeah, I should I should position it, shouldn't I? There you go. <laughs> halo <laughs> there
0: we go we went from hey there's underground bases on earth to looking at dad's halo look nice how happy. you doing today buddy yeah. good good thanks yeah awesome all right russell why don't you um you know why don't we just jump right into it and why don't you tell us a little bit about project 8200 and uh, kind of your
2: interest in it okay i'll start with my interest because there, there's kind of an evolution um so the first thing i always like to be real clear about what i'm trying to achieve um, I'm not trying to convince or prove to anybody that these bases are real. I'm asking myself that question are these mm-hmm. fiction or are these real? Because if they're real and any of the data is accurate, it's a problematic situation yeah. for regular earthlings. Um, for myself, you know, I've been at this type of thing for 40 years with dedication. And over the course of that, through various practices and explorations and so forth, um, landing on remote viewing was wildly transformative for me Mm -hmm. and my life. Um, Over the course of that 40 years, one question just plagued me over and over and over. Why do humans who generally, when you meet them one-on-one in a coffee shop, they want peace, they want happiness, they want fair distribution of resources. How can it be that collectively there was so much brutality, and not just now, but for thousands of years, so many times where it seemed like things were going to go away and then it seemed thwarted. Over the period of time, I had to honestly ask myself, is there an outside influence active here? Because so much of what I see is not just characteristic of the human heart in and of itself Mm -hmm. um so in that process i did decide that um so in one of the phases of my exploration i spent a couple of years in the new testament trying to understand and when i came across this one quote it just resonated so deeply so what it said um is for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this world's darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So if you take the religion out of that and look at it, what it's saying is there's possibly an organized, intelligent hierarchy of opposition to humankind. And whether that is extra dimensionals, interdimensionals some of the more popular terms. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people are just now saying the phenomena or whether they're physical ETs or whether at the top it could be interdimensionals. And down here uh, on Earth, physical ETs, I can't say. I can just say in my heart, it seems like there's something going on.
0: And a side note there, rulers translates to archons. Yeah, correct. Out. And, and that's uh, an interesting concept there.
2: And, and when you talk about the heavenly realms, they're actually mm-hmm. talking about space. Yeah, they,
0: they, there's, uh, they went through it. In the book of Osteanus, he talks about all the different heavenly realms that he went through. And he, he even gets into alternate realities in the Nag Hammadi library, talking about that, which is mm-hmm. a topic and, for another day. But
2: Well, no, in reading your book, too, you had a, a singular experience that made you go, what what the heck is going on? And and who are these beings?
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, You know, I've had more of a trickle. It wasn't one profound experience, but a series of experiences that Mm -hmm. that led me to this. So Mm -hmm. whether one calls them devils, demons, fallen angels, whatever it is, it just seems like there's somebody interested in disrupting humanity. Mm -hmm. So. The question then, of course, is what, you know, is their mechanism? What are they using to accomplish whatever their goal is? So um, when I was going through the uh, CIA archives one day, just kind of shopping through, I found a session um, or a summary of sessions, um, which is in the links uh, for for people to look at, where Mel Riley had uh, summarized some bases, uh, some personnel, some activities. And when I saw that, there was something right then that hooked me. So for a couple of years, I, you know, kind of da- dabbled around the topic. But for the last three years, I've actually been very committed to it, locating people, interviews, gathering materials, this kind of thing.
0: Was that, was that the 168 unknown structures? I can share my screen for that if you want me to
2: um that was that's one of the graphics there's a gr- one of the uh okay which you one you can share it on your screen but i sent you a graphic of it yeah the person and it might be a good of- time to might be a good time to bring it up description of personal uh, associated et
0: bases is that the one correct okay hang on let me let me share my screen so our patreons can uh can check this out okay can we see it yeah great okay
2: so when mel uh described this so far they've run into uh, three types of entities associated with these bases at various locations within the solar system um the titan base doesn't get a lot of mention um mostly the four earth bases do so at the titan base what you see is um people that look no different than native earthlings a woman who appeared to be in charge and some sort of male technician type sitting at a control panel. So that is off planet. So appealing to Daz's experience in the the more esoteric type sessions you've done, how many times have you seen human or humanoids in off planet scenarios? I'm just trying to think. Um, I, main, most of my stuff's been Mars and the Moon.
3: I think I did two others on uh, something called Ceres and, and something else. But I I don't in any of my R V remember seeing uh any human human looking people. They were always uh more of the uh grey grey gray alien typical type. Mm. Okay. I haven't I, I don't mean in any of my uh encounters on planet earth or uh, other planets i've seen anyone that looks pretty much like you you're me no
2: yeah. I'm, I'm
3: not not in the rv anyway
2: okay well ingo had uh, what he would describe as humanoids mm-hmm. um that he perceived right. uh, in, penetration penetration
1: yeah
2: okay and then mount hayes is an interesting commentary there appeared to be two types of entities associated with this site The two entities located outside of the structure were accomplishing some sort of routine task. He was unable to make contact with them or gain information of any sort. Inside the structure were two entities, one sitting at some sort of circular council with a round screen-like object. The other was busy doing something in the background. The entity at the council appeared to be human in form, but lacked definitive facial features. He seemed friendly enough and invited me to observe his actions at the council. So he was aware. Well, yeah, claimed to be so. Um, But what's interesting is uh, Lim Buchanan has talked about what he calls four types of entities, Mm -hmm. um, which were friendly telepathic, Mm -hmm. friendly not telepathic, unfriendly telepathic, and unfriendly not telepathic. So right here, it would appear that since Mel couldn't get anything off of those two outside, they may have been in the not telepathic category, mm-hmm. friendly or unfriendly, I can't say, whereas the other ones appeared to be telepathic because obviously Mel wasn't there physically, and they uh, seemed aware of his presence.
0: That sounds a lot like you know, humans, too. We, we do have a select few telepathic capable uh and then a lot of us are not
2: Um, and then lynn uh, puts it in a context where he says all the body types that we describe as aliens are in all four categories right now go
3: ahead Des. in traditional uh and classical ufo kind of cases because i've studied this a lot in books there are quite a few encounters though of uh, more the more telepathic one, it, when people have some of these encounters with these, these alien type life forms, uh, you know, with landed craft and whatever, uh, and abduction cases, there usually is a more human looking person that's meant, is essentially the person in charge, and the ones that are a bit more smaller, a bit more humanoid, but not human, and a bit more grey or pasty mm-hmm. color, they're, they're the ones that have been reported more along the lines of biological kind of robots and yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm leaning more towards that camp that some of these little things are some kind of android that possibly has we can say telepathic now but looking at Elon Musk's work probably some kind of neuralink uh connection possibly. Yeah, because
3: uh, uh there's quite some there's some real serious cases. Uh, I can't remember the name of the woman. Uh, she, well, there's a book about her called The Watchers. Uh, mm-hmm. And she she did some really amazing sketches of um of her abduction encounters. And quite a lot of the abduction characters, the the little grey ones that end up doing the abductions, seem right. to have something uh, some kind of little box in their in their hand or attached to their belt, which may allow them to do this kind of thing where they can go through walls and
0: and telepathic yeah. talking and stuff. And that's and that. Could be technology as opposed to just this ability. It you know, si- side note: I just rewatched The Men Who Stare at Goats. Uh, you're talking about walking through walls. I'm not gonna lie; there has been a time in my life where I tried running through a wall. It didn't work. <laughs> I need one of those little black boxes, maybe. Yeah. I won't ask you guys if you've tried it. I'll, I'll leave that to the imagination. <laughs> Sorry, back on topic though. Let's oh
2: no, continue. So, so um, I agree 100 percent with the uh, automaton or hive mind. And it does seem, seem to be that the smaller grays uh, are of that. And then what they're calling the tall whites or the taller grays seem to be the more intelligent right. commanders. Programmers. And then, yeah. as Dad said, in UFO history, there's a lot of cases of humans also you know, being involved. So let's scroll up on this. Let's see the next. And, and real quick, th- you found this through the CIA
0: archives? Correct. And this was just to recap, whose data is this? This is Mel Riley. Okay, and now to, to my my uh, podcast subscribers, you know, on Patreon, we're getting the uh, the graphics here, but to my podcast subscribers, we're looking at it looks like a handwritten document that was uh, scanned in and obviously uploaded to the CIA archives, which is where Russell pulled this information from, and he's uh, been and reading this,
2: it. this document yeah, yeah, is yeah. also. Oh, I'm sorry. Go
0: ahead, Daz. The uh,
3: the the CIA reference number there is on the on the bottom. If anyone wanted
0: to search for it, oh. I know, and I'll read that right now for anybody in, who's
2: listening. No, it's in the links I gave you.
0: Okay, well, yeah, we'll have this linked. I'll have this linked in my show notes for uh, my SixCentsMedia.net followers, and uh, we'll get this link out, these links out. Right, I put a
2: direct link to this document. Okay. Now, as far as South America goes, I don't know. I've not heard of uh, any details there, but Africa for sure, uh, Mount Ingwan, I can't pronounce it, but let see. Puerto Rico has,
3: is a huge hotbed of uh, alien-based, alien activity. There's been many, many alleged instances of uh, uh, aliens caught by local locals and by local army forces. From, La you
0: know, Chupacabra. America. Sure.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Chupacabra uh, but, so the one in uh, uh, Africa is Mount Inyongani. Yeah. Um, and there's more sessions. Uh, Joe did ERV session and then other viewers. As far as I've been able to count right now, a minimum of eight of the Stargate viewers uh, viewed these bases. Without going into all of the sessions, the overlap and the correspondence is very, very high. Um, okay. okay, so back to and, this.
0: And that's significant because you've got possibly eight viewers blindly tasked pulling out overlapping data. Over...
2: over um, 82 to about 88 is the last one. So over a six-year period. All the same
0: tasker or different taskers? Different. Different taskers. Sometimes
2: Skip, sometimes Ed Dames. Um, So, okay, so back to this one. So Mm -hmm. the first – so, again, they found two types of entities associated with this site. The first had a very large round-shaped head on a slender neck, very unhuman in appearance, almost – and there's that word – Unable to make contact with that being. So that reinforces this notion that we all have of the possible biological automata, you know, referring to the small grays. So unable to make any contact. The other entity was almost human-like in appearance. His face was devoid of any hair and so forth. Now, uh, when the people who link on this in your um, uh, Patreon, there are a couple of sketches in this session of the beings. Now, again, this entity seemed friendly enough and appeared to, and you can't read what it says because it's overlapped at the bottom, but the, the phrase there is be aware of my presence.
0: So this entity seemed friendly enough and appeared to be aware of my presence. Okay.
2: Correct. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a good overview. So now I'll go back to how this uh, built up for me. So the question is in finding out is this fiction, is this real? let's take all the elements of this story and figure out what it is we're actually trying to define. So the first question is, are there such a thing as underground bases? Mm -hmm. The answer is a definitive yes. Militaries have them all over the world. So check underground bases are real. Are mountains a good place to hide underground bases? Yes. We have Cheyenne mountain. Right. Okay. So check underground bases and underground bases in mountains so if we had had this conversation say two years ago the whole uap thing would have been um pure speculation and very nebulous but now because of uh, to the stars academy the navy we have the highest technology and some of the most professional witnesses in the world confirming with provenance and substantiation (laughs) that these videos are authentic yeah and the answer is it does appear we have UAPs. Um, the members of that uh, TTSA uh, in their TV series documentary um, seem to indicate that, that it's, not, it's not our stuff.
0: Yeah, he flat out said, um, Lou Elizondo flat out said in the beginning, you know, they're not ours. Right.
1: You know,
2: so now the question is this. When these guys are done following our fleet or... Um, the other activities, one of the pilots said there's a whole fleet of them. I think he said maybe a hundred or something like this. So the question is when they're done doing what they're doing, where are they going? Yeah. Are they going back to a base on the moon? Are they going to a base on Mars? Are they going to some other solar system? Are they going to, uh, you know, Andromeda or you being a military man, does the idea of forward bases make sense?
0: It, given, yes. I mean, it certainly makes sense given if they have a similar, um, you know, structure and mindset to us. You know, it, depend, it all depends on, on what these things are. Um, logistically, it makes sense if if they have limited resources, um, you right. know, or, and this could be anything. I mean, if, it's, if these things are automated, then it would make sense to have a, a station here on planet Earth, for these automated craft to go out and do whatever reconnaissance or interaction right. you do, and then return to the base, you
2: know I mean any major operation of any sort, if you can get forward bases you, you want forward bases mm-hmm. so up to this point, we have bases underground, yes, bases in mountains, yes, uAPs in the vicinity, yes, and it seems logical that they would want a forward operating base. So have they somehow hunkered down here on earth um, for some part of what it is they're doing? Now, is, is it,
0: I, I get what you're saying about forward operating base. And I just want to pose the question. I mean, is it possible that it's something else that it was here and then they seeded the civilization and they've been here that long. And that's just oh, yeah. a monitoring station that's been put in to oh. direct human evolution or human activity.
2: Remember the word monitoring, because that will come up again here as we talk. Okay. So the um, possibility is there, and it's not unreasonable to consider. So really, the only thing we're trying to decide is, is it possible um, humanoids, or uh, as Ingo said a couple of times, humans born elsewhere, right. not on Earth, uh, or other types of entities, we've seen two or three mentioned already, could they be hunkered down here on Earth doing something? Now, as far as your question, you know, the, those beliefs could go as far as they go. Yeah. I personally consider that they have been meddling in human affairs for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I go so far, and again, this is a little bit off the charts, but, you know, some people indicate er- early Earth was a bio lab. Yeah. And I, I don't discard that idea as well.
0: That ties into the Sumer- almost the Sumerian text. Um, what's that one? The Enuma Elish with, with uh, their creation of, of man or their meddling with, with mankind. Yeah. Um, and I think the Terror papers gets into some, some stuff like that, too.
2: Yeah. Robert Morning Sky. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, know his, his history is as far as that biolab. I and mean, he goes so far as to name the scientists. And- yeah. You know, so that that's an interesting document for sure. Mm-hmm. So okay, so up to, but coming back to this, um, okay, so what I want to do because this this subject, like all of these things, is so convoluted and it can get too complex. Since this is remote viewing data, and as uh, you know, teaches on his site as do others and Ingo himself. You know, removing kind of requires some sort of feedback. Mm-hmm. So do we have direct feedback on this? Has someone gone into one of these bases and taken pictures and come back? No, we don't. But we are starting in the public uh, venue to get some interesting and possible feedback. So one of the ones that are on the, the links for, for your viewers Uh, is a one-minute and 30-second clip from the TV show Missing in Alaska that had a special on Mount Hayes, Because even in uh, Native or the Indigenous peoples there, in their lore, they have a longer history of something going on there than we do. Oh, you're going to show it. Awesome. Uh, I I wasn't going to show the whole thing. I was just going to
0: show the the clip right here, missing in Alaska. I don't know that the audio will will translate through it.
2: Go forward a little further than where you were. mm -hmm. A little more. There. Wait. Okay, now if you click play, it really is – you'll be able to see the – and they had set out four cameras. I think one of them failed, but they got this –
0: object on three they're setting they're looking at trail camera data i don't think you guys are hearing the audio but right okay so this is what they're seeing pointing at the mountains there so
2: we are pointing it at mount Hayes. okay so there it is is. now when you see its movement
0: yeah it's just a white blip that appeared on their trail camera correct oh my gosh it it just it just sank down uh record speed yeah. I, I wouldn't even see something crash that fast. It moved. I know. When it went down, it violated. It was the, beyond free fall speed. It was beyond physics. It, it accelerated downward. That was pretty cool.
2: Correct. Okay. So there is something that um, in the descriptions, the physical descriptions of the craft, I won't go into that. Pat Price did a sketch. There are other sketches. What's really interesting, and you, you can see it in that it's redacted, a YouTube presentation on Project Eighty Two Hundred, where um, Skip Atwater himself took two pictures at Mount Perdido. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to get. I
0: don't know where those are, but is this it?
2: Yeah, it's, I, I would recognize it. It, it comes right after. Um, there's a, a screenshot of a bunch of sheep on a mountainside. Yes, I remember that. And they went back later and saw there, that. There, it. There, is. there, there. Okay, go there, now see that craft there? Yeah. Okay, he has two photos and it is on his personal digital camera. I have um, a copy of the original files, I've examined it. There's no altering whatsoever. So there's one where it's a little further back. Now, the detail isn't um, such, but it appears there's no wings. It appears to be uh, similar to the size and shape of the crafts Pat Price described at Mount Perdido. So, there's another item that one might consider feedback. Okay. Okay. So, in the series of events leading to Project 8200, Pat Price went out and was fully out of body um, and inspected these bases. He was spotted twice, uh, once at Mount Perdido by some sort of energetic field.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and also the same happened to him at Mount Zeal we'll go into a couple of Pat Price quotes from his original papers later um, there's one article out there uh, from years ago that has some quotes uh, uh, in an interview with Skip Atwater and then in S- Skip Atwater's presentation there's a couple of quotes otherwise nobody knows what's you know in the full papers mm-hmm. so um, the Next thing that I want to do is just look a little bit at um, a couple of quotes from Joe McMonigle's, uh ERV session that I find very interesting. He, can you bring up that sketch? of uh, Joe McMonigle's sketch of the Earth and the satellite. Yeah, let's see which one that is.
0: The Earth and the satellite. Okay, here we go. String of beads. Yeah.
2: Yep, let's share that one. Okay. Oh, and while I'm still thinking of it, let me um, bring up a fair uh, disclaimer. Uh, f- for Joe's sake, um, Joe does not see the ERV sessions he did on all four of these. He does not see them as um, underground bases. So I'll read a recent quote from Facebook from Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Michael Miley, a senior editor at UFO Magazine. And I d- discussed my RV of Mount Hayes just before he printed an article which contained the entire transcript of my rv along with drawings what i told him was that in my opinion it was not a ufo base but an advanced technology base designed and built by us meaning humans Mm -hmm. it had maintenance people there but operationally it was remoted to somewhere else um he printed the ufo base article anyway About 15 years later, in Air and Space Technology magazine, they released pictures of the base, and much of it matched my sketches. I have not seen that or been able to locate that magazine. It had been a top secret over-the-horizon radar site that had replaced all of the radar sites located on the old DEW line. Um, It was kept very secret because no one knew you could look over the horizon with line-of-sight radar, at the time of my original viewing, which was 1982. So he wraps up by saying, sorry, guys, it's exactly what I said it was. And I cautioned everyone who argued with me not to say it was connected to UFOs.
0: Okay. So that's a big, uh, that's a big disclaimer there saying, hey, here's my feedback. It was, in fact, a radar base that's now since been declassified? Correct. Okay. And so, and, but that article is yet to be found. I did not find it. Okay. So to, uh, to our, to our Patreons or to, uh, you know, my, my, listeners out there, if, uh, if you come across that article, what was, what was that, uh, magazine? In? Can you reference that Russell? Oh,
2: uh, it was UFO. Oh, no, oh, I'm sorry. The feedback that he's saying was air and space technology magazine. Okay. And I don't know the time frame. He says about 15 years later from okay. when the UFO magazine article came out.
1: Okay. All right. I, mean, I just,
2: I just want to be fair to Joe, so nobody thinks. No, that's good. Yeah,
0: it's good. It's good to get the full picture. That you know. So good. Okay.
3: Can we just add some here at this point? Yeah. Um, although, just Joe says that, that it was an over. You know, the, the radar site and stuff, and it wasn't a UFO base. There are some very, very solid, credible UFO um, documented cases that come right out of the FBI themselves that go way back to. Alaska and Mount Hayes from the fifties onwards. Correct. So you know they wouldn't have had that kind of advanced technology way back then.
0: Not our, not our current civilization at the track that it was on. Maybe you know, maybe a breakaway civilization.
2: Right. If, if it was human. And then you can see I tried to make an appeal to enter a conversation, and then he never responded. Okay. All right. So where
0: are we now, Russell, okay. with uh, with this diagram here? so this is joe's data here yes okay and and you're, to our to our listeners it, it looks like uh the earth and they have uh, uh it looks like a, sat- a string of uh, beads he has describing it going around the planet possible satellites
2: can you, can you pop that one up you're
1: not seeing that right now
2: no i'm seeing the the disclaimer i just read i'm share.
0: dad what are you saying i'm sharing the screen
2: yeah, I can see the string of beads uh, picture. Oh. yeah! You
0: just got to click on your Zoom
2: link, Russell. Well, old people shouldn't mess with technology. I was looking at my browser. so You're okay. good. You're good. There we go. Now, I, I will tell you one, and, and I respectfully disagree with Joe, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if for professional reasons he wanted to context it. So I will give you just one little bit here where um, – why I take it as a different thing. First of all, over the horizon r- radar is known all over. The technology, you can you know uh, look on Wikipedia, you can find pictures, and this was only back in 1982. When I listened to Joe's, uh, this is a, a copy of the transcript, which he said they used in that article. Um, this is what Joe said. He said, it's all brand new. It's never existed before. This is a prototype of something, some completely new concept. It's like asking an Aborigine who has never seen an automobile to crawl inside an automobile and describe this in terms, in his terms, what an automobile is, when he has no terms for screws and bolts and seat covers and so forth. Even the most rudimentary parts of this thing, he has no terms for it. That's kind of like the position I'm in. I have seen something I have not even rudimentary terms for. And he goes on to explain he, he can't even recognize a nut or a bolt. I've seen in the past, and uh, Joe's very technologically competent. And so, with that said, and a couple of other things here in the transcript. I think he would have been able to describe over the horizon radar.
0: So for, for taskers today, anybody listening that might be looking to put some targets together for your teams might not be a bad idea to retask this target. Now that we, most viewers have a better understanding of technology and see what the
2: data gets. And if you're interested, I can send you the exact coordinates that uh, skip used for all of the sessions.
1: Mm, Okay.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, Now I will throw one caveat out there. Um, I would not task anybody lightly on Mm -hmm. this. Um, The two stories that Pat Price told about being spotted and interacted, um, I don't think it should be taken lightly. Whereas we saw that uh, Mel Riley said they seemed friendly enough. But then later, even his perceptions kind of disagreed with that. We'll look at one of the sketches Mm -hmm. that, that makes that clear. So this is a drawing that Joe did of the configuration, one of the drawings. So you'll see here where he says in 1982, it's not fully active yet. Impression that it's going to be full... It's going to be full-time, oh yeah, full-time active sometime in the future, perhaps a year or less, being tested. Mm -hmm. So if you look up at the top right, you see his description is a string of beads. Yeah. Now look at this article about Elon Musk. Elon Musk says SpaceX is fixing brightness of star-like satellites after they appear as a string of pearls. Wow. In the night sky. Yeah. So Joe perceiving string of beads, coincidence, perhaps, but I would consider that possible feedback. I mean, that's a pretty exact description. Certainly in 1982, the Starlink system was not active. Um, So that's something that I would treat with some consideration as possible feedback. Hmm. i
3: uh, just just add something here
2: um yeah. i've just done a quick search <laughs> and
3: i've literally just found the department of air force environmental impact and that analysis document uh it's a draft environmental impact and that uh, document uh for an alaskan radar system an over horizon backscatter radar system from mount hayes in august 1986.
1: okay Wow. Which,
3: which would be after, you know, four, three or four years after Joe had things. Sure. so he might, he might have been picking on. Um,
2: it could okay. be. And also within proximity to, to Mount Hayes is uh, the Harp system. Yeah. So also, okay. what I'll do is I'll send this to you as well. So you can have a look at this later independently. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So then, um, and, and just, just to clarify, um,
0: even if that's true, that it was in fact a radar station. Does that necessarily negate the possibility that humans are working in conjunction with another inte- intelligence to put this stuff in place?
3: Any, anything's possible at this stage, I would say.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah. Joe, when you look at that, it's redacted, uh, YouTube presentation. Um, he talks about some object way out in space and I didn't bring that sketch, but it's a little pyramid that he shows out in space. Well, he says, somehow it's just fixed. It it doesn't move. It's not orbiting. And that somehow this whole system links to that. Hmm. That, to me, goes a little bit beyond over the horizon radar. I would think so. Yeah. Just a little bit. So now another uh, consideration as possible feedback for Mount Hayes is Laurie Williams, who's trained by Lynn Buchanan, has been an instructor for many, many years, and is uh, well-known for her product and her students. Um, she just did a remote viewing session live on TV for the TV show called the Alaska Triangle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want, uh, well, no, that's right. That you either have to have like Comcast or, uh, on demand to watch it. So we can't get to that. Yeah. But here's so, a screenshot of it. So in a show called the secrets of Mount Hayes now, just as a teaser, I won't go into everything she said but they showed her and then her husband Jim monitoring her. Um, And then they tried to show graphics of what it was she was describing, which didn't look very pleasant. But these are uh, just a couple of things that came out of her session. Human-like, vastly intelligent, cunning. And uh, the screenshot from the TV, you can actually see a bit of a sketch she was doing one of the beings on uh, her session. Then she said, gosh, I'm getting a little worried about writing all this stuff down and having this all in on camera. And then her, the segment of uh, her remote viewing uh, faded out. Hmm. So whatever, so now we're talking from 1973 to 2020, including Lori, nine or 10 very seasoned viewers, um, all describing very similar data. I'm curious about this, hum- this human-like
0: statement. I-, I mean, I'm wondering, is it possible that these are somehow augmented humans?
2: I don't know. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you Pat's description uh, of them because uh, it's important. So um, in the article uh, that's linked uh, on your thing,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so that's linked. People can go directly to this. Yourrents.com.
0: Let me pull that one up.
2: Yeah, it's an interview uh, with Skip Atwater. Mm -hmm. And this is the most quotes and information out of Pat Price's original papers that you can find anywhere. Okay, yeah, so I have if it up now. Yeah. If you go down to where we see the picture of Mount Perdido. That's Fort Meade, that OSRV. Okay, there. there, now go back. Okay, right above that picture, read that line as to what he, how he describes the, the says, human-like beings. Price also
0: reported that the base inhabitants looked like us, homo sapiens, except for the heart, lungs, blood, and eyes. He reported that the sites were highly protected from discovery, mutually supportive, and had very high technology. He also noted that they used thought transfer for, for, motor, contr- for motor control of us. Let's go back to that again. He noted they used thought transfer for motor control of us. Wow. Okay. They meaning these human-looking people without heart, lungs, blood, and eyes? Correct. And they were controlling people like Yumi and Des.
2: I have a lot of ideas about this. Um, I think motor control is probably an excessive word. I would say motor influence, maybe.
0: That's a familiar conversation.
2: Yeah. So if they are generating, when, when Joe talked about the uh, signals being transmitted, and we'll go to that and then show two screenshots from one of Edward's sessions that really mm-hmm. ties this all together. Um, so I don't know about control, but influence. Now, if you go back to that article, mm-hmm. if you bring that up again, then I won't have to fish around in all my papers here. Okay. okay. Now you, uh, you asked, or uh, it was mentioned, what are the purpose of these bases? So scroll up to the next paragraph above the one you just read. Right here? Price's report, that one? Yeah, go ahead and read that. Price's report
0: stated that the base's primary purpose was to reinforce BTL implants, transport of new recruits and overall monitoring function. Today, Atwater has no idea what BTL implants are, are, and to his knowledge, no one has remote viewed this term.
2: Huh? So, remember I said to keep in mind monitoring. Yeah. So, okay. Now I'm, I'm just thinking of, of
0: Whitley Strieber's implant. Um, That's a piece of technology. He talks about the implant that's in his ear and it actually opens up a slit in his eye and he sees a data stream running through that gives him information like a search query.
2: Well, I know what BTL implants are. What are they? Um, Well, this goes back to Pat Price being a Scientologist Mm -hmm. and certain other members of the remote viewing development or creative team also having some history with that organization. Mm -hmm. BTL is between life implants. Can you explain what that means by between life? In Scientology and actually other places, but I'm going to refer to the way Pat would have been familiar with it. And and I'm not saying this isn't on the fringe, but it's an accurate description of what what he believed. um, That when a being leaves a body behind, some people go up, they have a near-death experience, and they Mm -hmm. come back. Right. Some people go up and they really die, and then have another biography. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to call it past life or uh, multiple biographies, I, I don't really care how you describe it. But in that, once you get behind the NDE screen, if you will, mm-hmm. what's really going on there um, would involve some negative input into a being psyche. So when they come back down, you, you can say that they've been interfered with. Or if there was an energetic attachment made, then that would be the source of monitoring and tracking that being back on Earth
0: so this is a for lack of a better term an implant attached to somebody's energetic signature it could be it's not a physical thing it's tracking their soul or their consciousness between one body one incarnation and the next or an exit from
2: physical and and returning that's what pat says um yes so it would be it would be an energetic attachment which are i mean daz knowing so much about um traditional psychic things and the various things he's done over the last many many years i'm pretty sure he would be familiar with the notion of, of something like that
0: i, I mean it, it's no different i think than tracking data on the internet um correct yeah you know, I'm, I'm thinking now of, of Professor Gates studying string theory and, and finding error correcting code in, in the uh, equations that make up string theory. It's just code and you can right. add s- key signatures to the end of a string of code that are going to let you know, you know, where it went, what it is to like a, what is the, a worm where they just call them worms. They crawl through and report back what they found.
2: And, and there's some notion that each of us um, has a completely unique life signature Mm -hmm. so based Mm -hmm. on your memories your thoughts your feelings your experience right what have you that all makes it like uh cell phones okay there could be seven billion cell phones but no two have the exact same photos the exact same email
0: right same geo positioning everything
2: okay so in this case do we have a model for monitoring energy signature yeah gps Cell phone yeah. tracking, they're using it right now in the right. virus to right. do contact tracing. So that's what between-life implants, or BTL means, between-life implants.
0: That's heavy stuff, man.
2: It is heavy stuff. There was some interesting correspondence um, in um, Farsight's recent uh, video, I can't think of the name of it, where they were looking at uh, people having been impacted. Post. The death traps, was it that yeah, one? Death traps. Yeah. There's a couple of things that the viewers perceived that are really unusual for somebody to make up because they're very subtle, but studying a lot of this stuff myself, I instantly recognize them. Yeah. And they, they correspond to this possibility mm-hmm. that if one comes back um, with some sort of energetic attachment, um, they could be, tracked and basically suppressed which goes in line with ingo's uh articles in Fate magazine where he says evidence shows it's them doing something to suppress the humans the human power psychic yeah.
0: development Yeah, right it's like putting on some kind of uh blocking technology to our natural wi-fi that yeah. we can use to connect and communicate there i mean it's 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 they live it's the signal that's repressing what everybody's seeing David Icke talks about it with the heart, heart-centered uh, people Correct. Uh, and his Saturn-moon matrix um, data that he goes into.
2: Right, and there's some data, too, that indicates there's a possibility that beings are coming into Earth, uh, maybe the children of the blue ray and any other number of theories, as, you know, missionaries, if you will. Yeah, They're fresh beings coming in to bring joy, to bring art, to bring consciousness, to bring whatever, in kind of an earth re-civilization type project. And it tends to be in some literature that it's them that are getting targeted and hit even on their first trip in. And
1: -hmm. then if
2: there is such a thing as recycling reincarnation whatever you want to call it right um keeping those beings down and out would be essential yeah and so where lynn buchanan talks about this again that just hit the spot on uh he said they don't have the range they have to you know in some sort of ship structure phenomena whatever it is they have to be in proximity Right. Or use technological boosters or enhancement, possibly, you know, some of the equipment we're talking about here in the bases. Um, whereas we, we can see across the universe. So when Lin talks about the negative um, telepathics, he says it's their desire to wipe us out entirely. Yeah. Because if we ever get out there or maybe back out there, um, we're going to be a threat to their manipulation and control architecture.
1: And
0: that, that always brings me back to, to Bob Monroe's early travels. Yeah. He, he had t- tr- trouble getting through the M band radiation that was above the earth. Mm-hmm. And once the further out he would go uh, and, until at one point he encountered some uh, fear based consciousness that tried to scare him and proclaiming basically itself to be God. And yeah. he was able to maintain and get through that. Um, right. and that would make sense that if we're looking at, I'm going to go kind of woo-woo here, but if we're looking at some kind of Borg civilization, some kind of AI that's technologically, physically based, mm-hmm. um, it would have limited uh, resources based, based on how far its technology extends. Where if we are, you know, let's get a little new age here. If we're actually created and connected through the universe itself, we may be tapped into that different signal.
2: Yes. Yeah, I mean, we can, like you said, and it, 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 it sounds, or we're traditionally educated to think it's woo-woo, but you know, try to explain being on a ball of dirt in the middle of space with no idea how you got here, and no idea where you're going. That's a strange concept in of itself. That's pretty woo-woo too. Right. So, but it's real. So. Right. Um, no, I agree with you. Monroe's M band does possibly play a, a role in this as well. Where, if there is a static or a a, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for a canopy of interference and that could somehow be bolstered with satellites or whatever, I mean, you you end up kind of being contained. Mm -hmm. You've got a a ton of people crying out in distress, prayers, meditation, whatever big loose grab. So, these helper beings. Are drawn to that,
0: and it's like flies mm-hmm. to a light, or you know, a moth to a
2: flame. Sure. So, so that's all theory, and, and right. it's interesting, but it's not without precedent. So let me let me check in with Daz,
0: and, and you know, Daz. I mean, you've been to you've been to the moon, you've been to Mars. Have you ever encountered anything that sounds similar to this, or any thoughts to weigh in on?
3: Not within, uh, not so much within remote viewing. But, um, for many years before on, I think 16 years or so, I did this, I was part of this psychic kind of channeling kind of exploration group. Okay. Using, um, yeah, channeling and classical psychic techniques. Right. And in that, pretty much every couple of weeks when we met, we had all these experiences with these many different, uh. Non, non-physical non physical life forms that were on planet off planet around the planet uh, and each of them had you know each life form had different kind of agendas some good some bad some spiritual and yeah I wrote a book about it um it's not remote viewing though you know and I always specify this to people it's something completely different and I even had some encounters myself some kind of almost like psychic attack kind of encounters with some strange dark kind of entities, but there were also some really nice ones that wanted to, uh, to
0: help us and see to help us you. develop and stuff. Yeah. What was the, yeah. what was the dark encounter? Like, do you mind explaining a little bit of that? Hmm. Um, they were very confrontational.
3: They, they, there, there are, there are some life forms out there that really do not want us to reach our full potential. Right. Um, and, and there were, you know, there were some life forms that were essentially us that, you know, we are, we don't know it ourselves because we're like children at this stage, but we are equal to some of the more intelligent uh, life forms in the universe. We do have the, we do have these powers within us that make us, I, I don't want to see this, but, you know, almost like gods in what we can do with our abilities, but we just right. don't know that we can do them.
0: Right, it's creators—the uh, power of creation—and yeah, these dark sense.
3: ones didn't didn't like that, and they were trying to play games and be tricksters and do whatever they could to,
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah, not allow people to get the message out and to inform people uh, along that lines. You know, if you tell enough people, you can achieve and do anything. Yeah, hopefully one day they'll believe it and do it. But there are certain entities out there that don't want us to do that. What's have,
2: um? What um, read what, that? What, have what, you read that? you read that, Dennis? What's that? surfing the psychic internet daz's book well i was just going to ask him no i haven't i was going to ask oh, him what the book was called that was oh, my next right. question okay.
3: <laughs> i don't <laughs> i don't really publicize it much because it's not it's not re- remote, viewing. remote viewing yeah so I, right. you know it was my first book i ever wrote um uh, yeah so i just don't i just don't really discuss it that much because it's a bit it is a bit far out there for most most people
0: yeah Yeah, but I think uh, it's neat to put it out there for anybody that has that. I mean, what we're talking about is like in the realm of like conspiracy and UFO, we are in such a very fine niche right now that, you know, people that think get to this point of interest and curiosity. But uh, I I think it might be an interesting read. I'm curious about it. Surfing the psychic Internet. I'll look for it.
2: No, it's very interesting. And and you're you're talking about where in particular where you tangle tangled with those three beings. Yeah. Yeah. I won't say any more as far as the spoiler but yes it's very interesting I ordered it as soon as I heard about it and I loved it. Yeah. I can't, I can't prove any of it of course you know and like with some remote you no. prove it feedback. I can't
3: prove a single thing of it.
0: No right. but I think there's still value in that in that data, Des. Uh, You know, when you go out, one of the ways I find value in some of my writing has been looking at, well, I had this experience. It was very real to me. And oh, look, this other person had the same experience who I don't know. And I didn't know about that experience. You start to get corroborating information, whether that means the actual experience happened as it said or there's some other mechanism at work. Something is happening, and I, I think that's important yeah, to, right. to take into consideration. All right, uh, let's let's move back to uh, to these okay. bases. We got a, a few minutes left,
2: Russell. Where uh, okay. where we want to go? Let's link to Edward's bring, stuff. Uh, no, it... bring uh, not yet. Bring up the um, the the uh, image of the guy that looks like he's sitting at some sort of council.
1: Oh
0: uh, uh, yeah, okay. This is a big one.
2: Yeah, this ties into uh, the monitoring that you asked about and that Pat Price um, suggested. Now, um, so can you blow up the summary part? Yeah, and whose who's data was this? This is Mel Riley again. Okay. Summary site appears to be a structure located within a mountain which had a triangular peak. There's a large lake at the base of this mountain which is surrounded by high rugged mountains or cliffs. He drew some incredible drawings of that um, that are not in that session, but you can find them in the CIA archives, okay? Um, There were two people walking around outside of the structure and two people inside. One of the people inside the structure sat at a circular uh, position which appeared to look similar to an organ because of the keys, buttons, and Mm switches. The word observing comes to mind. The uh, the appeared to be some sort of screen or monitor, but could not make it out clearly. So then if you scroll there, <clears throat> so if there's a monitoring, now that it would be an organ up doesn't make sense, but could it be something that generates sound or frequency or vibration that might, through a broadcast system, um have an influence over people so even though at one point he said they seemed friendly enough here in this drawing he describes it as a dark shadowy entity Mm -hmm. features not distinct playing keyboard impression that he is observing someone yeah so to this notion of broadcast or sound or whatever the organ represents, um I will go to um back to Joe McMonagal's Mount Hayes session, where he says, I just keep getting a sense of very high energy pulse type emissions and low frequency ranges interlaced with high energy type modulations. There's more descriptions of this um, type of broadcast, how it's being organized through the string of beads that is referring to some outside source and is generated when he describes the power system amplifying this whole thing, it's significant. So now I am going to attempt to share a screen. Here we go. And I will show you, let's see, how is the best way to do this? Hold on. I still have a box and a big monitor sitting on my desk, so (laughs) don't make fun of me. All right. No
1: judgment here. Okay. I had it set up, but I accidentally closed it. Sorry. That's okay.
0: So in the meantime, while you're looking at that, so we're we're looking at now this possible technology that can track human energetic signatures and a possible monitoring station by some kind of entity that doesn't appear to be human that may be monitoring humanity or manipulating or repressing human signals.
2: Correct. Really. All right. So now what I'm gonna do here is um Well, they just don't make these things simple anymore.
1: Magician at the monitoring station.
2: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I'm going to try this and see if it comes out the right
1: way. Okay. okay. There we go. Now, what this
2: is is one of your team members, Edward Riordan. Is it pronounced Riordan or how is what's the correct?
0: I always say Reardon, but that's a very good question.
2: So every Reardon. So now, in his uh, public session on YouTube, under the session he calls the ominous feeling, Feeling. my ominous feeling, Mm -hmm. he's describing, and it goes into more detail, these frequencies embedded within each other. Yeah. So this was his uh, image of that now the question
0: and, and to, to our listeners um what we're seeing here is a it's edward's sketch and it looks like a series of wavy lines on top of each other all of different heights and wavelengths
2: yeah and so he says it reminds me of a signal wave pattern right which a couple of the verbal descriptions in joe's work um, would make sense right now let's see which way is this arrow going to take me oh okay So here's another one, detecting signals, um, signal wave moving through, being recorded, some sort of uh, satellite or broadcast equipment. Um, All right, now let's see if I can get the arrow to go the other way. There. Okay. So what is the driver behind this except for? There you go. A satellite a grid or a string of beads. A string of pearls going around it. Yeah. And this isn't just Edward. Uh, there's several other, this is cropping up in other sessions of, of you know, viewers of the caliber of uh, Edward and dad. Yeah. Um, so now look at that. What needs to be in place for this project to be implemented?
0: Mm-hmm. High technology grid. Well,
2: Joe was talking about this thing being implemented in the future
0: right high high technology
2: grid joe actually drew some grid and described different things in those original uh, drawings something to go out worldwide idea of a satellite grid
0: now what's interesting about this is edward wasn't tasked to view this no he got a he got a feeling and he he tasked himself, in essence, just trying to explore what this signal was that was coming to him. And this is a thread, uh, and I encourage anybody, if you haven't done so, um, to listen to my interview with him. It's up, uh, you know, through through my website at SixSenseMedia the on the Seeker podcast, remote viewing QAnon, and he right. gets into it. And I don't have time to get into it right now, but he really right. goes into this possible other civilization a breakaway civilization and the technology the nanotechnology and the signal which is very important and what that the impact that signal he believes it's a future event will have on human consciousness and i got to check in with them to see where we are on the timeline because it it sounds like we're possibly building to that very soon
2: and and when uh edward was talking about this uh, almost zero dimensional place that these beings were coming from in Qanon. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds a lot like this fixed thing. Joe had a real hard time describing it. That uh, you can hear recording of that in the It's Redacted video.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So the last thing I'll say, and then just wrap up like two things. Um, so something to go out worldwide. Now a phenomenon that's getting more and more media by the year is what's now being called the worldwide hum. Mm-hmm. Or the global hum. Yeah, started as the Taos hum, then Bristol hum, and now there's enough articles coming out on it where it's becoming a big issue. Uh, there's yeah. one out that's saying, you know, this thing's driving people crazy.
1: Yeah,
2: read the symptoms and so forth. Now, this is a whole other story, but I'll say it short. I've been listening to that damn thing myself since two thousand one. It used to be very sporadic. It's increased. Its amplitude is up. Its volume is up. Instead of just hearing it at night, now it's during the day. I have to sleep with sound machine. Right. I um, can out. Right. Okay. So is this thing going out worldwide, the worldwide hum, some sort of broadcast system, satellites? Is this something to influence or shift like you said, Edwards, you know, shift consciousness, mm-hmm. his earth's core sessions, in addition to yeah. Q and on um, and my ominous feeling, they have an integration.
0: They do. It's all connected. Yeah. That's fascinating. All his all right. data flows. Yeah.
1: It I does.
2: think I'm all done. Let me look and see if there was anything else important before. Okay. Yeah. You got all that.
0: Are you still sharing your screen, Russell? Yeah. You might want to. Oh. It's OK.
2: Let's see. There. OK. So now I will throw this last thing out, because I think it's very important. And this ties into if people are going to task people. Now, I've never done an esoteric session, and I'm probably over-cautious. Um, but when Pat described some of the, the effects and so forth that happened to him, um, I just I, w- I, w- I would make sure someone's an advanced viewer, or like Daz, secure an esoteric self-protection whatever you want because
0: it can be it can be dangerous i mean we're talking about energy and technology that we don't all understand so it's not something for like a rookie viewer like me to be like hey this sounds cool i'm going to go out and and be a trailblazer correct there's there's potentially real danger
2: real danger i i i can't say who but two very competent remote viewers i've worked with personally in the practice that i have um and and helped get through an energetic attachment um Mm -hmm. that occurred to them so i don't take it lightly i don't mess with it if i ever feel confident enough to do it i will but so this is a caution of pat from pat price if they were discovered meaning people poking around price wrote personnel are deployed physically in activity to make sure of failure of that certain project.
0: What does that mean? What project? Like the project? Whatever project. To this...
2: Anybody trying to, to
0: break this okay. thing open. To, to blow. So you tell me this now as we're doing this podcast at the end of it? What do you mean? <laughs> we're, we're doing a project exposing it.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, but we're not. Okay. Hold on, there's somebody at my door in, in uh, dark sunglasses. All right, great. <laughs> Um, and I can't mention the name, but I will say somebody involved in some higher level aspects of this said that when they got involved in certain things, members of their group had been followed home and affected by poltergeist activity. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's a very reliable source. Trust me. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm wondering last thing. And then I'm done. So this is uh, something Pat again said in that article linked. It comes to mind that these people have infiltrated all government in sensitive positions, not to, and this is part I found interesting, not to control the government, the processes or the people, but rather to be in positions of power to stop politically any activity that could produce a result of that may produce a result that could cause discovery. Mm -hmm. In other words, whatever they're up to, they're very intent, apparently very focused, very organized, very well equipped. But Edward, in my opinion, and numerous others are doing what Ingo said. He said, we have got to get to work and penetrate this ET scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And I I agree with that. So whatever is going on, whatever people are talking about, this other collaborating stuff I'm seeing from sessions, um, it seems like we might have a benefactor or maybe advanced beings. Somebody wants us to break free. I will go to my last breath on that very task. Um, And so I hope people in remote viewing and other fields give this at least some fair consideration. Again, mm-hmm. none of it's provable, but if right. we're being opposed, how do we get out of that cycle?
0: Well said. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, corroborative discussion and dialogue and, and experiences out there that support this as a possible scenario and enough information out there. I think that it warrants our attention and it warrants a, a, an exploration. Um yep. I want to check in with Daz and see if he has any final thoughts before we wrap up here. Um, go ahead. No,
3: I, t- I totally agree. It's uh, It's been, you know, all this kind of stuff's been kept aside and hidden from us far too long. And I yeah. think the, the uh, you know, what what people are doing with remote viewing and what people like the TT, is it TTA Shoot for the Stars people? TTSA, uh,
0: To the Stars Academy.
3: Yeah, with the uncovering. And, and you know, it does feel like that it's slowly starting to progress now, but again, I've been researching UFOs, you know, well over 30 odd years, and I've got books going way back to you know the early nine, you know, nine turn of the century. Yeah, discussing UFOs, and there uh, is obviously it's, there's obviously something's happening, and there is an interaction happening with people yeah. on earth here. Um, yeah, people just need to be made aware of it, and we need to move on and you know move on in advance and learn from it. Get out there in the universe.
0: Yeah, we have that potential, A- and the alternative is stay in your home in the dark while this coronavirus completely restructures our society. Saying
3: you know, saying all this, you know, it would be great to interact and, and all this kind of stuff. But you know, looking at some of the things that's happened with the coronavirus and people's attitudes, some of us aren't aren't not to go out into the universe. I don't think no. It,
0: no, and, and I think, and it's a whole other discussion. I know, Daz, you and I have talked, touched on it in some of our interviews. I mean, there's a, there's a calling for some of us. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that speaks to our our evolution, you know, where we are in the stage of this growth, or maybe it speaks to our program. Who knows? Um, depending on what we are and, and, you know, what our purpose is here. But either way, some of us have that that signal, that pull, and, and some of us don't and that's okay yeah i mean the stupidity we see now
3: you know happening all around the world with the with this virus can you Mm -hmm. imagine what it'd be like if you know if we did have a disclosure of an alien presence on earth what what some of that stupidity would would end up trying to do
0: yeah it'd be bad it'd be it'd be bad so we have to look at it from both sides i I gotta be yeah and we gotta be and we we consider this as as, you know remote viewers when we have when we come across something being custodians of that knowledge yeah. Should we release this, or will it do more harm than good? And sometimes, yeah. you know, that's a that's a big burden, a big responsibility. To it me. is
3: because through crypto we kind of have to keep a lot back because yeah, it may scare and distress
0: some the opposite effect of of you know. And but what we do is we hold on to that knowledge and we we preserve it in a way that. When people are ready, it's available for them. Yeah. You know, and that's what we do. So gentlemen, it was an, an excellent discussion. Russell, I'm gonna defer back to you. Um, what a great presentation. You made my job easy. I didn't have to extract really anything from you. So that was awesome. Um any any final thoughts from you, Russell?
2: Well, uh um Dick just released that YouTube teaser where he saw uh he drew what it either looked like a UFO or a satellite. Mm-hmm. Um, did that did the full session make it to your patreon page which one was
0: we, we see a lot of ufos
2: that well, was it was like it was like three uh things ago on the cryptocurrency free youtube
0: yeah okay yep that it's i know which target, target that was
2: that's said, on patreon
0: uh, that should be on patreon or coming out sh- shortly
2: it was yeah. basically like Rets watching this yep. virus yep. thing
0: yep and, and and that um i I can't say too much now because some of this is going out to, to my channel, but um, that session I think has a lot of corroborating possible points to what we talked about with the signal that's out. I'm there. actually
2: going to join uh, you guys today or tomorrow just so I can see that one. Awesome. So we have a new member. Looking forward so no, to it. Yeah, the only thing I would say, thank you, Daz, for being a part of this. Uh, to the people out there, stay stay safe and healthy. And uh, thank you. You very
0: much Dennis mm, yeah it's been my pleasure I appreciate you guys taking the time to uh to come on the air to uh you know to our patrons and to my seekers uh out there you know um if you have any feedback on this let us know send us some comments and uh you know stay safe out there and that about does it for uh for this conversation it, it was a good one so uh you know on behalf of Daz and Russell uh, I'm Dennis Nappy the Second. Uh, remember to never stop questioning, keep an open mind, and let your intuition be your guide. Thanks. <laughs>
1: Thank you.